Well, my thanks to uh, Julian and the worship team this morning. Great job, and that was enjoyable, wasn't it? And they'll be back for one more song at the end of the service here. And it's been a kind of a, an interesting transition time as we lost Chris Ruland, and uh, he was in this week and got to talk to him and how things are going with the uh, with the uh, church plant that they're looking to do up in the Fenton Grand Blank area, and it was good to see him. It sounds like things are going well. I also had the privilege uh, on Friday night of uh, doing dinner with Greg Ruby, and some of you will remember Greg from the past. In all of these videos that we do before the message, Greg does those videos for us, and uh, it was great to see him. This is hard to believe. His twins are 10 years old now, and uh, just really growing up, but it was great to see them. And uh, also, I mentioned Julian. It's been great to have Kayla and Emma, some of the different worship uh, leaders that we've had for the past few weeks. And it's been kind of fun, actually, to have a few different people come through here. But I'm also excited that on the 13th of February, we're going back to Chris. Not Chris Rulin. We're going to Chris Knuth. But Chris will be joining our team as our new worship uh, leader. And uh, he was here last Sunday. He'll be uh, with us in a few weeks. He's tying up some loose ends where he's been. He's on vacation in Florida for a couple weeks. We said, go ahead, get your vacation out of the way, because that's the last one you're ever going to get. And uh, because we've got work to do here. And, uh, but we're excited about that. And just uh, I've appreciated the worship team, too, and all the different uh, people who work with that and tech teams, because we're just running lots of different people through here. And they have been absolutely fantastic. These guys up here are incredible musicians, but they're, they're not just good musicians, they're good people. And I'm so, yeah, I'm so grateful for them and for the fact that they've made kind of what could have been a rough time here uh, an easy time, and they have been fantastic. So we're talking about the way of the wise, so let's just jump in here this morning. Let me ask you a question. Wouldn't it be great if every time you faced a choice in life, the answer was just obvious? Like... You know, if it was like, should I take this job, or should I take this job, ding, 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 wouldn't that be great? And, uh, it, or, you know, should I go to this college, or should I go to this college, ding, 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 or should we have two kids, or three, <laughs> no, ding, ding, somewhere there has to be a ding, ding, ding in there, or, you know, should I call this person or not, should I invest in this uh, stock, or should I invest in this one? Should I believe this Facebook post, or this one, or this one? Okay, you get the idea. But we have all these different decisions and choices that we face in life, and it would just be so easy if it was just like so obvious. But maybe you found what I found, that those choices are often not very obvious. And I'm left scratching my head because the answer isn't clear. And oftentimes we come to forks in the road, as the video suggests, and we're faced with indecision. I've been thinking recently that, that I might struggle with indecision myself, but I'm not really sure. It was worth a try, right? So, all right. But we all face these situations where there honestly actually is no way to know for sure. For various reasons. First of all, is we sometimes come to a, a decision and we don't know for sure because we simply can't see the future. Uh, we are time-based creatures and we're stuck in the present. And so we can't see the future. So we're just going to be guessing. And that's all that we can do. Or sometimes we struggle because we come to that fork in the road and we just don't have all the information. Well, we try to get the information. We try to sort it out. But sometimes you just can't get all the information. And so you just go with whatever you can go with and you don't know exactly how it's going to turn out. But if you notice this, that some people in life, 
I mean, we all face these decisions, right? But some people in life seem to be better at the decisions than others. I've noticed that. But what is it that separates those people from, from the rest of us? I think it's one word, and I think it's that word that we've been talking about this month, and it's the word wisdom. And we've been talking about it through this way of the wise, but we've been looking at it from a specific angle. And we just had that verse quoted here, Proverbs 13, 20, that says what? The person who walks with the wise will be wise. The person who walks with fools is going to suffer harm. But one of the ways that we can have more wisdom in our lives is to simply surround ourselves and make ourselves um, uh, uh, or expose ourselves to wise people. And I can't think of anybody wiser this morning to expose us to than Solomon, who is known throughout the scriptures as the wisest man who ever lived. And so we're going to talk about Solomon this morning. But before we do that, I want to ask you to do something for me. Solomon, that was his claim to fame, his wisdom. With that came wealth and notoriety, all of that. He wrote several books of the Bible, but do this for me this morning. Before we go any further, I want you to think of two stories in the Bible that demonstrate Solomon's wisdom. Two stories where this wisdom that Solomon had really came out, and, and you could really say, oh, there's, there's a great example of that, all right? So, so we'll give you a, a second or two to come up with those two stories. Okay, time's up. How many of you came up with one? How many came up with two? Yeah. You know why you couldn't come up with two? I don't think there are two stories about Solomon's wisdom in the Bible. Isn't that crazy? Here's the wisest guy who ever lived. And you would think there'd be all of these stories telling us about all of his wisdom so we could learn from those stories and that wisdom. And we got this one story. Let me tell you what the one story was, right? It's the story of the two babies and the two mothers. That's it. That's all that we've got in the scripture um, demonstrating or giving us examples of Solomon's wisdom. Now that story is found in 1 Kings chapter 3, and we're going to look at that in just a minute here. So you can go ahead and turn there. But let me ask this question. If that's the only story we're going to get, we only get one example of Solomon's wisdom in the Bible, why do you think we got this story that we're going to look at just a minute here. Well, let me just suggest two ideas, and I don't really know for sure. They're just ideas. The first idea would be this, that this story was early on in Solomon's reign. So he has the experience of asking God for wisdom. That's in the first part of First Kings 3. We're going to look at the second part. And he does that, and like almost immediately this story happens. And so this becomes like his signature win. And this is the story that, you know, kind of shot him to fame as far as in the wisdom world. And so this is the one that everybody looked back to because it was kind of the first. And that's a very, very real possibility. It would make sense, actually, when you consider where it shows up in the text. I think a second possibility, though, is because this story does such a great job of capturing the essence of what wisdom is all about. And I think that's a very, very legitimate idea, too. So let's read this story here this morning. It's the first Kings chapter 3. I think it begins in verse number 18, 16. Those letters are really, really small. I might technically stop to hear. But as we read this story this morning, I want you, if, if you've never heard this story before, that's great. But most of us have. 
But I want you to back up to before you heard that story. So as we read this story, it's like this is the first time that you've ever heard it. And so I want you to try to get into that mindset here. And so as we read it, we're anticipating, wondering it's where it's going to go, instead of saying, oh, I know how that one turns out. Can you do that for me? So here we are. Let's read. Verse number 16. Now two prostitutes came to the king and stood before him. And they have a situation here. And they're looking for some legal, um, a legal judgment. And Solomon is the king at that time, and he was actually the king, and he was the Supreme Court, all wrapped up into one. And they come with this issue, and it's pretty significant. But one of them says, one of these women, says, pardon me, my lord, this woman and I live in the same house. And I had a baby while she was there with me. And then three days after my child was born, this other woman had a baby also, and we were alone. There was nobody else in the house but the two of us. And she's making an important point here. And the point is this. The only evidence in this case that you're hearing is going to be our verbal testimony, our personal testimony, mine and hers. You're not going to get any other evidence to work with. Okay? So here's what happens. And she goes on. During the night, this other woman's son died because she lay on him and probably smothered him. So she got up in the middle of the night and took my son from my side while I, your servant, was asleep. And she put him by her breast and she put her dead son by my breast. And then in the next morning, I got up to nurse my son and he was dead. But when I looked at him closely in the morning light, I saw that this wasn't actually my son. And the other woman said, no. The living one is my son. The dead one is yours. But the first one insisted, no, the dead one is yours. The living one is mine. And they argued before the king. And I don't think they argued their case before the king as much as they probably argued with each other before the king. And if you could pause for a minute here and put yourself into this scene, here's Solomon and he's hearing this person, he's hearing this person, and there's a lot of angst in this story. We're talking about a live baby here. We're talking about uh, uh, mothers here. One of them has gone through incredible heartbreak and is somehow trying to cover it up. The other one's worried about what's going to happen. And it's just this crazy situation. And, it, and it's escalating. And finally, the king, verse number 23, interrupts. This one says, my son is alive and your son is dead. Well, this one says, no. Your son is dead and mine is alive. And it's kind of like he's saying, you know what, this is all we got for me. For, if this is all you got for me here is that you're just claiming this and you're claiming this. And we don't have anything else to go on. Maybe we can kind of end the discussion here and figure this out. Now keep in mind, we don't know how it's going to turn out. Well, is, is, the, is the king, we know that the one baby really belongs to this one woman. But Solomon doesn't know that. What's he going to do with this situation? Because you'd hate to get this one wrong, wouldn't you? To actually give the son to the wrong mother would be a horrible situation. And one here is telling the truth, and one here is lying. And somehow you have to figure it out. If you're Solomon. And getting to the truth can be really, really hard, can't it? Especially when it's just one person giving you a story, another person giving you a story. And I don't know how you are. I'm not always great at that, sorting that out. I kind of listen to one side and go, huh, and then listen to another side and go, huh, and then I kind of scratch my head. You know, there's games out there that are bluffing games, like Mafia or Chameleon or Coup was kind of a new one on the market. I don't mind playing those games, but I just really stink at those games because I just believe everybody. 
And it gets really confusing because somebody has to be lying, and I have no clue who's lying. But we get into these situations in life, and it's like, what is the truth here? What is not the truth? I don't know. I don't know. So here was Solomon's solution. Then the king said, bring me a sword. So they brought him a sword. And then he gave this order, cut the living child in two and give half to one and half to the other. Well, that seems like not a great solution, doesn't it? <laughs> okay, so this is the wisest man in the world, and we're going to cut a baby in half? Well, here's what happens next. The woman whose son was alive was deeply moved out of love for her son and said to the king, no, no, no. Let her have the baby. Just don't kill him. And the other one said, well, that's fair. You know, you shouldn't have him. I shouldn't have him. Go ahead, cut him in two. That, that seems fair. And the king gave this ruling, give the living baby to the first woman. Do not kill him. She is his mother. And when all Israel heard the verdict the king had given, they held the king in awe because they saw that he had wisdom from God to administer justice. And so when we talk about wisdom here, let's talk about wisdom this morning. Wisdom is not something that we do. Wisdom is something that we have that affects what we do. And so wisdom is actually something that we can collect, as it were, so that we have it available to use as we need it. And I think of wisdom, and especially even as we look at this story, I think you'll see how this comes out. Wisdom is like this reservoir or this tank, and when situations come up where we have to decide what to do, where it's not really obvious, we, we can tap into this reservoir or this pool or this tank of wisdom and draw from it, and it helps us to see clearly where we're going, and it helps us to sort out decisions that we need to make. And so the good news of this, then, is that we can gather this wisdom. And I think in this story, what happened to, to Solomon is he had prayed earlier in the chapter, God, give me wisdom, give me a wise and understanding heart. And God just did this massive in, uh, wisdom dump on him to start with. But for the rest of us, we're kind of left with having to try to gather this as we go. And we could do that different ways. But one of the ways that we can do that is from walking with wise people. And so as we walk with Solomon this morning... How do we add to our wisdom reservoir is really what we're trying to accomplish. And so this story, while it doesn't tell us exactly how to make a decision or what decision to make, it gives us some insights on gaining wisdom so that when decisions and choices come up in life, we should be better prepared to navigate those, those tough calls. Now, last week we talked about wisdom is looking down the road and, 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 and identifying options and outcomes and projecting what we think those are and acting accordingly. Wisdom we're looking at this week is simply gathering resources so that when we face difficult situations and physical uh, decisions, we know what to do. So let's look at this story here because as I said before, this really I think in, in, encapsulates the essence of what wisdom is. And look at a half dozen or so things that we can learn about wisdom. The first thing is this. Wisdom pursues justice. Let's look at the last verse that we read there. Verse number 28. 
When all Israel heard the verdict that the king had given, they held the king in awe because they saw that he had wisdom from God. And what's those next three words? To administer justice. Now, we don't necessarily think about wisdom and justice in the same sentence. And yet, I think these two concepts go together. But the question that came before Solomon then was, instead of looking at it, what's the wise thing to do here? The question that came to him is, what is the just thing to do in this situation? Now, justice is a word that gets thrown around in our world a lot. We hear that, don't we? We're constantly talking about justice in our world. And and social justice issues have been a a big thing. And, And that's great because some of the issues that are out there need to be addressed. But usually when we talk about these justice issues, we're not talking so much about justice as we are talking about fairness and sometimes about equality. But they're not necessarily the same thing. Because fairness is usually talking about treating people the same. In some ways that could be good, because, and we'll talk about that in just a minute, but in some ways there can be a problem because it's impossible to be completely fair. And if you have kids, you know this. I have three kids, and all three kids have been treated unfairly. And that's not by their claim, that's by my claim. And the reason they've been treated unfairly is because they're all three different. Now, we have tried to, we, you know, our kids were growing up in our, in our house. We had, we had rules and, and we had expectations that were the same for all three kids. And yet they somehow applied differently depending on who the kid happened to be. And so we can't really have fairness in, the, in our world because we were all created differently. So anytime we pass anything that's uniform, it still applies and affects us all differently even if we just start out by our personality or, or our station in life or, or even our geography, it's all going to be different there. And so we've gotten into this thing where, you know, we need to be fair. We need to be fair. Well, I'm not sure that fairness is ever really the goal. And I don't know that life was ever meant to be fair because when God created us, he created us differently. And actually, if you look at this story, what would have been the fair thing to do? Well, you could have cut the baby in half. That would have been fair. Each person got an equal half, right? Or you could have said, nobody's getting the baby. We're going to give it to somebody else. So fair wasn't the issue here. Just is the issue here. And fairness is about trying to keep keep the, the, the scales balanced. Justice is simply about trying to determine what is right. And what was right in this situation? The mother gets the child. We're not going to worry about being fair here. We're going to worry about getting just. And when we look at tricky situations, we need to ask this question. Not what is fair, but what is actually just? What is actually right? And a wise person, then, is a person who pursues justice in every situation. That was the role of Solomon. That should be the role of government. But that's also our role. If we're going to be wise... Justice needs to be part of our pursuit in this world. But as we do this, and this is going to sound a little bit like fairness, but it's not, we know this, that wisdom treats all people with dignity, value, and respect. That doesn't mean that we treat every person as being completely equal or completely being the same, but we treat every person in this way. Let's go all the way back to the very first question that comes up here, or that's the first question, the first verse that we looked at here in this story. 
Verse number 16. Now two prostitutes came to the king and stood before him. That's a crazy start to a story. Does that verse like jump out at you and go, oh, that's kind of odd. Like, why did these two people have access to the king? Like they shot all the way up the charts or all the way up the court system to the actual king. And it's not exactly like these women are, are spoken of in, in high terms here, is it? Now, there's some question about what is meant by, by this term prostitute, whether they were actually what we think of today, or, or it could have been possibly just two women who somehow uh, became uh, pregnant, unwed, and, and maybe it was just a one-time thing, but they were in this situation in, in, in society at that time, adultery or, 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 or um, sexual sin would have, would have been really, really a, a bad thing. And so these, these women are, are, I mean, they're at the bottom of society. And they have this thing, and you would think that, that Solomon said, you know what, they got what they had coming there. That's their own problem. And even when they come in there, though, how does Solomon treat them? Like anybody else. He doesn't stop and say, uh, you know what, you guys, we wouldn't even be having this conversation if you behave like you were supposed to. He doesn't go there. There's no piling on. There's no judgment. He just says, okay, let's hear your case. And I think that is so, so, so important for us because we are so prejudiced in our thinking so often without even realizing it. And we stop and we fail to realize that everybody is on the same level with us. We're, we're all of God's creation. We're all different, but, but we are all valued in his eyes and we all have worth. And that worth is God-given. So as we take this and we look at wisdom in our lives, part of it is looking at the people around us and we're not, we're not battling for status anymore. So I can be bigger than you or smarter than you or wiser than you. I'm looking at this person saying, you are a fellow human being who struggles just like I do, who has, you know, has good points and bad points. But how can I be of help and how can I be of value and how can I meet your needs? And wisdom requires a humility. And if we're not willing to be humble, we're never going to be wise. In fact, I think that pride and wisdom really are exclusive. They can't coexist. And if we're going to be wise people in our lives, we need to look at the situation. And even as we're making decisions, we need to ask this question, how does this give worth and value to people around me? Third idea here. Wisdom commits to hearing both sides of the issue. And we read those verses um, 21, 22, where the women are just going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. One goes and the next goes. And Solomon's just listening. And finally, in verse number 23, he interrupts and says, what? You say your son is alive and your son is dead. And you say, no, it's your son that's dead and it's yours is alive. But the key here is that Solomon is just sitting back and listening. And as we talk about wisdom, we're coming back to this theme, and we talked about it last week, but I don't think we can be wise in life unless we are willing to be listeners in life. 
And most of us are, are, are pretty bad about being listeners in life. We need to listen to hear. We need to listen to understand. We don't necessarily have to listen to agree. And this is, in, in Mark mentioned re-engage, and, and if, you're, if you're married and haven't been through re-engage, you, just, you owe that to your wife or to your husband to say, hey, let's go do this. It's an incredible, incredible uh, class that we, that we work through. Can't wait to get started on Wednesday. And if you're going to be in on Wednesday night, I have materials for you. Make sure you see me afterwards, okay? But that's my ad for that. But one of the things we talk about in re-engage is the idea of understanding, and so many times in marriages, so many times in relationships, so many times in situations, we are fighting for agreement. And if we just step back and work for understanding, it would give us the clarity that we actually need. Because the goal is not to win. Because when I win, then, then what have I done? I've just put myself on that higher level, and we back up a point here, and all of a sudden I'm better than you. And that's not what wisdom does. The point is not being the winner. The point is that we win together here. There's an interesting verse that, that Solomon writes later in the book of Proverbs, chapter 18, verse number 13. He says this, He who answers a matter before he hears it, this is a folly and a disgrace to him. But if we're going to be wise people when we come to these situations, we need to ask this question to start with, tell me why. Or tell me what you're thinking, or, or explain more of what you're, what you're talking about here. When so many times we come to this situation, and it's like, here's what I think. Or go ahead, but when you're done, I've, I've got my own opinion to share. And that's not what wisdom does. And I love what Solomon models here. He sits and he listens. Now, eventually, it's like, I, you know, we got to go beyond that. But we start out by listening. Fourthly here, wisdom approaches things from various perspectives. And I love how Solomon changes from listening to the argument to getting out the sword. It's like, you know what? I've been listening. I've been listening. I've been listening. I've been listening. You know, we're going to have to take a different approach here. Bring me a sword. And nobody knew what was coming here. But he's changing up how the process is working. And what he's doing here is he's going to force the issue from a different perspective. And so many times, I think when we're struggling with decisions, we get very locked in on a mindset. And we get very locked in on a position. And I can only see it from this thing. And, and I become very, very tunnel vision. Like, and wisdom is like, okay, how do I look at this from a different direction? Or wisdom is, do I have another option that I could take here? I had a friend one time who said, you know what? There's always option C. I'm like, what are you talking about? He said, you know, we always look at decisions like A and B. He said, there's always a C out there. I don't know if that's true or not, but it's something to think about, isn't it? Sometimes we're so locked in. I either have to do this or I have to do this. We just need to have the wisdom to step back and say, you know what? There are probably other ways that I can look at this. Or I can... Or... And this is what Solomon's doing here. And he's stepping back and saying, this isn't working what we're doing here. Let's take this from a different direction. And that's partly when we talk about the way of the wise, when we say go to other people. That's what's happening. We're forcing another perspective on ourselves. Fifthly here, wisdom tests the truth. Wisdom tests the truth. 
The king says, bring me a sword. And they bring a sword. That's in verse number 24. And he goes through this whole thing and says, you know, let's, let's cut him in half. Solomon had no intention of cutting that baby in half. I, I can almost guarantee you that. I don't think it was going to be like if he was still confused. They're like, oh, well, let's just go ahead and cut it up. And uh-uh. No way. And I actually, this is just my thought here, and I could be wrong. Been wrong many times before. I think Solomon already had a pretty good idea who the mother was by the time the sword came out. I think he was just testing his theory. It's like, okay, I think it's this one, but let's make sure. Let's get that sword out, and yes, for sure, this was the one. I can't prove that. That's just my surmising there. But still the point here in this story is that Solomon is going to, and I love the sword here, he's going to divide between what's true and what's false. And so this argument really wasn't between woman A and woman B. The, the, the whole situation was between what's true and what's false. And when we're looking at situations, especially on a moral level, it's like, okay, what is true and what is false in this situation? And how can I divide between the two? And we need to test things in our lives. And we're all guilty of this, but there's so much information that's thrown at us in our lives right now that we get overwhelmed by it and we just accept it because it's easier than sorting it all out. But if we're going to be wise people and if we're going to live in wisdom, as information comes at us, we need to test that and we need to start to separate what's true and what's false. And it's extremely, extremely hard. I get that in our world right now. But all we get sometimes is just people talking at us. Well, talk, what is the, what is the cliche? Talk is cheap. And talk is talk. And a lot of times people even think they're telling you what might be true, but it may not be true. You ever had that experience? You insisted that something was some way, and then you went back and checked, and it was like, whoops, I got that one wrong. But we need to be, if we're going to be people of wisdom, we need to be constantly testing out the truth. There's a term that gets thrown around now a lot called fact-checking. Yeah, we need to be doing that. And I would say this too, the less you know a person personally, the more you might want to be hesitant about accepting what they say. Like if my wife tells me something, I'm, I'm pretty much on board with it. If, if the person who lives on the other side of the subdivision tells me something, I'm like, but there's a lot of people because, especially because we can be so inundated in, in, in media, there's a lot of people that tell us things because we're, and we're familiar with them, but we don't really know them. And that's even in Christian circles too, where we need to step back and say, well, time out. Is that really true? And how can I test the truth of this? And then this, wisdom understands and uses power appropriately. I think there's something really interesting in this story. When you look at the power that Solomon has here, he had the power to say, nope, we're not going to hear this case. He had the power to say, you know what? You came into this room here, and the reason you're here is because you did wrong. You were involved in sin, and I am going to let you have it. He had that power. He had the power to take the child and give it to somebody else to look at it and say, you know what? You're just a single mom. Somebody else can raise this child better than you. He had all of that power. It never got used. 
the power that he had got used for the good of the mother. And the truth of the matter is that we all have power in our lives. And it's not something we should be fighting for, but it's something that we need to recognize. And sometimes we use a different word in our world, and it's not quite the same, but I'm going to throw it out here because we need to think about it. And it's that word privilege. We have these things that, that we enjoy, and there's nothing wrong with power, and there's nothing wrong with privilege unless we use those inappropriately. But we talk about this uh, in our world. In, I mean, we enjoy a lot of things. Probably nobody in here this morning, and I don't know for sure, but probably nobody in here is, is, is struggling with food poverty. And we're, you're not sure if your kids are going to get enough food this week. But there's a lot of people in, in Waterford. In fact, 40% of our kids in Waterford schools are using our food programs because that is an issue there. Well, that's a, that's a privilege issue. And you can say, well, no, 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 it's, it's the parents' fault. Okay, fine. But which kid got to choose his own parents? Did you? And so if you're struggling as a kid here and you don't have food and this kid next to you at school, you know, he has the Twinkies and you're whatever. Okay, that's a privilege issue. And I'm not talking right or wrong there. What I'm talking is to say it exists. And if we find ourselves on, on the side where we have the resources, those resources need to be something that we share and use with other people. You know, we, we live in a, in a, I mean, we could talk about poverty in our country, and we have it, and I'm not denying that, but then we could talk about other places in the world. The, re, the reason I met with Greg Ruby the other night, it was, I was at Kensington Church, and, and Greg works for a, a Kensington campus up in, in Tennessee, or not Tennessee, Traverse City, Tennessee, close. Um, but anyhow, um, but they were doing their Hope Water Project, where they're trying to take uh, water to tribes in, in the Pakat uh, region of, of Kenya, Okay. I don't ever think about water. But when we realize that we have this privilege, or if you like the word power, or, or if you like the word resources, my, my bigger point is to realize what we have needs to be for the benefit of others. And so many times we see people in our world, and even sometimes people in the Christian world, who use their power for position or for pre prestige or, for, or to get what they want. That's not what wisdom does. And Solomon, in his wisdom, takes that power that he has and says, how can I make this just? How can I value the people that are in this situation? And he comes to the proper conclusion. So this is what wisdom looks like in real time. And when we face a situation where we don't know what to do or, or where we don't know what we should do in this, we can actually go to these principles here drawn from this story, and it helps us to ask the questions to divide out what's right and what's wrong. So here's a question. What is the right thing to do in this situation? Another question. How can I value people the most? Here's another question. Have I heard the whole story, and how could I get it? Here's another question. Is there something else that I should be considering, or could I look at this from a different direction? Or this question. What is the truth, and how can I test it? And finally, how can I best use my power? There's one last thing I want to add to this story. This is your bonus for this week. Verse number 28, let's look at this again. When all Israel heard the verdict that the king had given, they held the king in awe 
because they saw that he had wisdom from God. Let me read that again. They saw that he had wisdom from God to administer justice. Wisdom knows its source. Wisdom comes from God. And we talk about this reservoir that, that Solomon had. Who filled it? God himself. And when we come to situations, we can turn to that reservoir, and hopefully God is filled. And one of the, the ways that God fills is through his word. It's through coming to church and, and sitting under his word. It's through small groups, and it's through personal Bibles. But we fill that reservoir from God. And so when we need to tap into it, that's where the wisdom comes from. And if you don't have a relationship with God, you can be the smartest person in the world, but you're going to be challenged in the wisdom department. Because you don't know the all-wise one, who actually is in the future already, so it's pretty easy for him to figure it out. And so we come to God as our source of wisdom, and we can draw on that wisdom through all these different ways. But there's one other thing we can do, too. And it's simply this. When we like wisdom, let's ask. Amen. Ask the all-wise God. And so we look at this story of Solomon, this single story that we have in Scripture that gives us the, the demonstration of his wisdom. And it captures the essence of it. And it leaves us not with, a, uh, not with a, here's how to make a good decision. But here's how to order your life so that when decisions come, you know how to act wisely. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are grateful for the fact that we don't have to have it all figured out that you see the future, that you know the end from the beginning, that you know what's right, what's wrong, what's just, that you value people and you know what's best for those people and, and you are the source of truth. You don't just know truth. And so we worship you this morning, but we come to you and we beg for that wisdom that we lack. And we ask that you give it to us in abundant measure because we want to live right. And we want to please you. And we want to, as your light in this world, make this world a better place because of our wisdom. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. If you do not have a relationship with God, if you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you've never invited him into your life, he is the source of all wisdom. And the wisest thing you could do is to make that commitment, that decision. You can do that even where you sit this morning. Jesus, I know that I've sinned. I don't deserve heaven, forgiveness, any of that. But Jesus, you came and you died on a cross for my sin. And you rose again to defeat it and death. And so I'm going to put my trust in you. I ask you to forgive me, to give me freedom to come into my life. You can do that where you sit this morning. If you have questions about that, I would love to talk to you about it. You've already made that decision. One of our pursuits, I believe, as Christ followers, should be the pursuit of wisdom. So my question for you this morning is, of the seven things that we talked about, which one of them will you pursue this week? Would you commit to that? Would you make that commitment to God this morning? Heavenly Father, I pray that you would help us to walk in the way of the wise. We praise all in Jesus' name. Amen. Julian, we're